This podcast is brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within the healthcare industry. This is Howard Anderson, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking about medical device security with Randy Ledsom, Acting Director of Field Security Operation for the Department of Veterans Affairs. Thanks for joining us today, Randy. Thank you very much. It's great being here. I understand that the VA is in the process of implementing a detailed strategy for assuring the security of medical devices. What was the original catalyst for that effort? Let me tell you about the history a little bit, and then we'll talk about the the, well, the catalyst that happened. We initiated in 2004 an isolation uh, strategy, and you know it worked well for us. But we found in 2008, 2009, with the um, various viruses, and Kafikr was a uh, big one that really uh, posed us a threat that was identified, and we initiated a program called the Medical Device Protection Program, which included the MDIA, the Medical Device Isolation Architecture, in that. So the catalyst was that we saw medical devices getting infected at a high rate. Okay, so how common are malware infections of medical devices at the VA, and have any of these infections or other security threats affected patients' treatment or resulted in any harm so far that you know of? The VA NSOC, the Network and Operations Center, began tracking uh, medical device infections in January of 2009. And since that date, the VA has identified about 181 medical device infections. These infections of data have not resulted in any um, major harm to our uh, patient population, to our knowledge, but it it did result in a lot of rescheduling of patient appointments uh, because, you know, the device was just taken out of service because it wasn't available until we had to have it uh, cleaned up. As you mentioned, the VA has created what it calls a medical device isolation architecture. Can you explain that architecture and why it relies on virtual local area networks and ACLs or access control lists? The the idea behind this was that um, the architecture relies on the access control list and a isolated virtual local area network. And the idea with this is it was a easy, well, it wasn't super easy, but it was a a easy and quick solution without not having to buy a lot of hardware. And the idea with this was that across a large enterprise like we have, it was a quick way to reduce threats to these devices. So with the implementation of the isolated VLANs with uh, ACLs that are configured to only allow traffic that is required between the device and other devices that need to communicate to being limited, and especially we found that removing access to the Internet was uh, important because it was one of our biggest sources of infections because folks would go out on a medical device surfing the Internet and they would find it would allow them to then bring back into that protected boundary uh, an infection. So we've worked hard to recognize this and we've been working hard uh, to also look at mobile media because we've also saw that as a major threat of, you know, the human factor of trying to maintain these ACLs. So going forward, you know, our strategy and terminology available in the marketplace is what we're looking for is, you know, what, how can we advance this, and this architecture we currently have in place? And although the architecture 
the isolation of medical devices is one portion of the overall program because, you know, we, we talked about we have a medical device protection program, so we have multiple pieces of it. This is one piece um, to make the program work. That it, you know, it requires uh, a lot of collaboration and a lot of hard work with our other business partners, and especially with the medical device industry, uh, getting information from them on the, the proper protocols that are required for communication. So we, we also have a pre-assessment we do to make sure that these uh, VLANs can be and ACLs can be maintained. How many medical devices now are protected using this new architecture that you described, and how much could that grow in the months ahead? Well, right now we believe that all medical devices in the department are protected by uh, MDIA, and this includes around 3,270 ACLs. To have those implemented that we uh, have done, it was an estimated 16,431 man-hours to complete. So we believe everything right now is behind there, and we believe that when new uh, products come in, that's part of our pre-procurement uh, process that we are assessing, and then when they come in, we put them behind a protective boundary also. You mentioned at a recent conference that the VA is also working on a patch management system that will bring together all vendor-approved virus protection patches on one server, then schedule pushing patches out to appropriate devices at various facilities. Why are you taking that approach, and what's the status of that project? The, the biggest thing we've been working on is finding out the best solution because a lot of, in the past, we've had to rely on each individual uh, of our internal customers to go and look at websites and do um, lookups to see if patches and uh, any virus updates are available. So what this was, was it was one of our initiatives of the Medical Device Protection Program for patching. It's a, a way for us to um, put approved patches and as we know with medical devices, you just can't put any patch. It has to be tested and approved by the vendor. So we have to get the approved patches and put them out on a repository that can be pushed out to the device uh, that's already been, you know, of course, the patch has already been tested. All of these projects are currently in their infancy, but we've uh, brainstorming, of course, new ideas. But we've we've really seen some real promising things with this and uh, how it's being implemented right now with our uh, biomedical community. You know, there is a shared risk and responsibility between the providers and the vendors, and so this is a, a process to help us secure this advice. The patching systems we put in place right now are you have to go in and select the uh, various patches that you would want to push out, and, of course, they would be the approved ones that would be put on the solution to begin with. So we can have assurance that they're approved, and we also then have a mechanism to deliver those securely. Why did the VA get involved in the newly formed Medical Device Innovation Safety and Security Consortium? Will, will this offer you a, a way to share some best practices and lessons learned with others? you got to look at the history is that the VA and DOD has collaborated for some time now. And about a, a you know a year, year and a half ago, the VA, the DOD, FDA, and many of the medical device vendors met to talk about medical device security and what we can do to best protect our systems. And at the time, VA, VA and DOD, you know, we didn't represent a significant portion of the market. And uh, the vendors, of course, were focused on the functionality 
and um, security was something that they they worked on, but it was not in their primary uh, focus. So the medical device consortium is really going to bring together many of the healthcare providers and vendors from around the nation to take a look at, as you stated, best practices. We also want to look at standardization, awareness. Our involvement was just a natural uh, evolution because we've already we already started this process working with DOD, and we also understood the vendors' frustrations about the um, various requirements from the various agencies and the various hospital systems. So I think it's a great opportunity for the providers and for the medical device vendors to work together to look at common solutions and best practices. Finally, what advice would you give to others about medical device security based on what you've learned so far? Are there one or two tips you can offer? The most important thing that we've found is that the securing of medical devices is not an IT issue, and it's not um, by a medical issue. It's not a security issue. It's not a clinical issue and just not a vendor issue. It's all about working together in collaboration. So the advice that I, I mostly would provide to you is that everybody has to remember that security is a team event, and all the parties involved in this must work together to make sure we understand the requirements, they understand the security side of it, and we, we do the best we can to provide the best service we can for our clinicians that are using these products. And as you know, Mr. Baker, uh, the VA CIO, stated last week, and he really uh, hit home with me on this, is that he said that our job, being customer service, his, he said our job is saying no is easy. Figuring out how to say yes is where the ISOs earn their pay. And I, and I think that the advice I'd give is that bring in all your stakeholders, make it a team event, and work with all your stakeholders to understand their points of view so they understand your points of view and you work together on a common solution. Very good. Thanks very much. We've been speaking today with Randy Ledsom of the VA. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so very much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.HealthCareInfoSecurity.com.